Third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome back. Third and 20 podcast, episode 52. My name is Frank Entersel. We got the main man, the co-host himself, Mr. Ryan Steed. Steed, how are you doing today? Doing good. Got some good sags today, and I'm ready to ready to talk them out. Um, yeah, let's just get right into it. NFC South over unders. Let's start off with your boys, the Falcons. Falcons are, I believe, the same exact line as last year at seven and a half. Yes, unchanged from last year, but an extra game. We both took the bait on them last year, hitting the overs when it hit under. Steed, let's start it off. How are you feeling with your boys? Well, you know, I'm a little depressed right now because, you know, the all-time great Julio Jones is gone, and I've been cheering for him for the last decade. So that's tough. But, you know, you replace a freak athlete with another freak athlete of Kyle Pitts. So I don't really expect the offense to take – a uh, halt like some people do. I still think it will be top notch. You got Ridley and you got Kyle Pitts. You still got Hayden Hurst. Russell Gage should step up. It The more of the fact is like, I'm more questioned about their defense. I mean, they bring bring in Dean Pease, who I know you're a huge fan of. He, he's done some great things, especially with those Ravens teams. Um, but they lose a couple key pieces, especially in the secondary and Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen that need to uh, that, you know, they're thin there. Uh, you still got a young A.J. Terrell, who's your number one corner. Don't have a true second corner on this team and the pass rush. You're really banking on Dante Fowler to have a turnaround season and to help alongside Grady Jarrett. That being said, seven and a half, I'm because, bet- like, I still like the Falcons schedule. I think it's favorable to them where they have a last place schedule. And if you look from their season last year, the points margin doesn't really add up where they – you know, they only gave up 18 more points than they scored last year, and we obviously know that's from all the second-half blown leads that they had. I'm saying with a little new management, I'm not expecting this team to make playoffs, but with new management coming in, a new era of Falcons football, they can get eight wins. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the bait again. I'm riding with the boys. Falcons over eight. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to be taking the bait. I'm going to be taking the under for a lot of the reasons that you said. The first being, I just don't trust their secondary. You really, you added a couple guys in the draft, Richie Grant at a UCF, Darren Hall Mm -hmm. in the third or round four as well, or basically a glorified third rounders, third pick in the fourth round, um, which I think should help out. But... It's the the defense. I just have to see it to believe it with this group. This is a group that has really plagued them for years. Dean P should really help out. And I think that the coaching staff is a major upgrade. So I'm not insanely confident on the under. And kind of like you said, this is a team last year that was a little bit more competitive than their record showed. You add, yeah, you add Kyle Pitts, uh, to that receiving core, but you do lose Julio. Uh, I just, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. That whole, you know, football is one of the trenches. And to me, the Falcons up front, both offensively and defensively, are nowhere near complete enough, especially compared to some of the other teams in this division. I find it hard to see them winning eight games. It's possible. I don't see it. I'm going to be hitting the under. Yeah, Let's especially you, they lose Alex Mack, too. That's huge. Yeah, that sucks. Um, I, like, Alex Mack was definitely not insane, and he definitely fell off. But, man, it's still, like, he, he to me, was the leader of that group up front. And now he goes to Dang. Shanahan. I thought Shanahan got a steal there at center. But let, is, let us move on. Let's go to the Saints. Saints, I think, are the most interesting team in this division. Hands down, it's not close. Um, They're a team, they obviously lose Drew Brees, which is a huge loss for them, right? You lose your Hall of Fame quarterback. And on top of that, they really didn't have a ton of room to maneuver this offseason because of the whole cap scenario. They didn't have a ton of draft capital. So they kind of have to just run it back with what they got. And they lost a couple of pieces like Trey Hendrickson, um, they lost their corner. I know they lost one of their corners. 
Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, Janoris Jenkins. So I think we can all agree that their roster is not going to be as good as it was last year, but that's priced in. Their over-under last year was 10.5, which hit the over, and now it's a game and a half lighter with an extra game in the season, so their over-under is at 9. Steed, I'm going to throw it to you. What are you thinking on the Saints this year? Yeah, I mean, you're right. This is easily the, one of the strangest teams in the NFL, honestly, if you're just going to think that they're going to be competitive or not. I, I still think they're going to be a competitive team. It's hard because I don't – I hate betting against Sean Payton because it always kind of, like, slaps you in the face. Um, I'm going to take the under, man. I, with their, they, they've lost too many pieces for me. I, if they have this quarterback battle between Taysom Hill, Jameis, I, I, I mean, I've always been a huge Jameis fan, but last time we've seen Jameis play, through 30 picks. Um, can Sean Payton get him right? Oh, hell yeah, he can. I mean, especially in his system. He can thrive in that system. I could easily see it. But I'm still thinking Jameis is going to have some of his Jameis moments where he just, you know, throws a pick six. Um, they got away with some games last year with their defense just being truly elite, especially when the offense was really stagnant because you could see Drew Brees decline. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it stays like that, and especially with defensive pieces gone now, I'm going to take the under, uh, especially with their schedule. Their schedule's kind of tough. Um, under nine. Yeah, that's that's the thing because I coming into this, I really wanted to take the over. I I like Sean Payton. I still think that this team has the tools to be a playoff team. Uh, that defense is still going to be top-notch, right? And they're like a team of underrated players defensively, aside, outside of Marshawn Lattimore. Like, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think, is like one of the best D-backs that does not get recognition mm-hmm. at all. Like, this guy is a stud. And because Marshawn Lattimore is there, it's like, oh, well, he's just good. Demario Davis, right, one of the top linebackers in the NFL that just doesn't really get that top linebacker recognition. Same thing with Cam Jordan up front. Cam Jordan, year in and year out, is one of the most consistent pass rushers in the NFL. But he's just not looked at in that light. They have a roster of these guys on defense. And losing players like Trey Henderson and and Janoris Jenkins, it hurts. But I I don't think it's going to kill this group. I I really don't. Um, And you add Peyton Turner in the draft, a guy that you liked a lot, a guy that you thought was Mm. one of the more underrated players in the draft. Uh, not underrated anymore. He went in the first round, but still. Yeah, shocked to see that. Yeah, like a good player that you expect to replace a guy like Trey Hendrickson up front and, and get some more pass rush outside of just Cam Jordan. But like you said, that schedule, this team has one of the more brutal schedules I've seen. You don't have a ton of easy games. The only easy games you really have are you have the Jets. Um, and I think you're on the road against the Jets, which sucks. And you have the Falcons twice, but it's still an in-division game. So you can never really rely on that to be an easy game, even though the Falcons are the Falcons. The Falcons play the Saints tight. If there's anything we've seen from recent times, you have a great matchup up front because the the Falcons' rush defense is actually really good. They were one of the top rush defensive – rushing defense groups in the league last year. And um, what's y'all's middle linebacker's name? Um, Dion, yeah, Dion. Dion Jones matches up against Alvin Kamara. He's one of the only linebackers in the league that has been able to do that consistently. You know, in one-on-one coverage, especially where if they want to play tight man or or just have their linebackers try to play zone against Kamara, Dion Jones has been one of the only middle linebackers in the league that's hey, I can tackle him in the open field. We see it time and time again with other defenses that, hey, if you have Alvin Kamara one-on-one against the linebacker, it's a complete mismatch. Not against the Falcons, it's not. And they're able to mitigate. He got his first touchdown against the Falcons, I think their second game last year. Um, Which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Because you play him two times yeah. a year with how dynamic he's been. Um, Yeah, I, I'm going to have to hit the under. I, I don't like the under but it's mainly due to this absolutely brutal schedule. You play a lot of gritty teams, especially early on. You don't have the quarterback situation figured out. I still think this is a scary team. It's just it's going to be tough to hit 10 wins. Um, Let's move on, though. We have another really interesting team, the Panthers, because this is a group that me and you both really like. 
Um, we both really like uh, Matt Rule. We both really like what they've done with their offseason moves, especially both of their draft classes, right? You've completely rebuilt their defense, which was one of the big reasons why this team had made the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah, you had Cam Newton, who was super flashy, won an MVP. But at the end of the day, they had one of the top defensive defensive groups in the league for a couple of years, led by a guy like Luke Keekley. Now you just pick up our favorite defensive player in the draft in J.C. Horn. This is a dude that we both think has absolutely locked down, can shut down a number one receiver on the opposing team potential, which is a pretty big deal in this division, especially now that Julio's not there. You need J.C. Horn to go, okay, I'm going to shut down Michael Thomas, and I'm going to shut down Calvin Ridley. That in and of itself, if he's able to do that, can lead to wins. So their over-under is up two games from last year, from five-and-a-half to seven-and-a-half wins, and I'm going to be taking the over on this football team, on this Panthers football team. This team, to me, reminds me a lot of the Raiders last year, a team that they made a lot of moves. We both think that they're a year away, but because of the favorable schedule early, I think that this team can kind of get on a roll. I would not be surprised to see the Panthers being in the playoff race early on, but then when their schedule gets hard and, and you know, you're a young team, right? It, it, that's where football, the money is made, right? That's why you see a team like the Bucks last year. They struggle at first, team of veterans, veteran coach, veteran quarterback, they're able to overcome adversity and go through. Whereas the Raiders last year, young team, you start to lose momentum, you start to lose it, right? I think that that's what we're going to see from the from the Panthers this year. I think that we're going to see them come out of the gates hot, be a 5-4, and 6-3 and three kind of football team, but then by the end of the season, they're going to kind of fade out, but still be that 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight football team, which hits the over. Yeah, th- this one's a tough one for me too because whenever I was looking at the lines, I was either choosing the over on the Panthers or the Falcons, and I'm going to ride the under on the Panthers. It's tough. I, I mean, I love Mark Rule. I love Joe Brady. Um, but it's hard for me to bet on Sam Darnold. I'm kind of out on him. I know McCaffrey's coming back. That's a huge plus for him. I do love their defense with Derrick Brown, and now, like you said, JC's I, – I mean, a lot of people say a day, like it's hard for a rookie corner to be the day – day one number one guy I don't I won't I don't think he'll struggle with that uh I just still think they're a little too young uh will they be competitive in these games hell yeah but I'm I'm gonna take the under I think this is a somewhere around like a six or seven win team like they're gonna be around this line and it's gonna be close but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the under on them yeah I think the big thing for the Panthers this year is what are they gonna do against the Saints right? This is a Saints team that I feel like has really owned the Panthers under Drew Brees and under Sean Payton. The the games have been close sometimes, but it's, man, it seems like every single, I don't have the stats on it, but it felt like every single time I watched them, it's a close game, but it's the Saints ended up with the W. Are they going to be able to turn that around this year? Are they going to be able to, let's just say at least split it, right? Let's take the home game. Are they going to be able to do that? Or are the Saints just going to just under Sean Payton, just own him again. Um, I don't know. I, it's tough. I still do think the Panthers are a year away, but man, I, every single move that this team has done, I, I just love. And eventually, if you do everything right, it leads to wins on the football field. And I think that second year under Matt Rule, they played a ton of close games last year against some really good football teams. They just weren't able to find wins. I think that this is the year that they're going to be able to start finding those wins in these close games. So let's move on to our last team, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their line is increased from last year, unsurprisingly to 11 and a half, 15. I was about to say 15 raised from 10 games to 11 and a half. Yeah. Imagine it was 15 games. I think that we're kind of both in the same boat here, and it's just that you can't bet against the GOAT. You just can't do it. Last year, I wanted to take the under on him, but 10 games with, with Tom Brady at your as your quarterback last year, I said, dude, you just can't do it. You take the over. 
even at 11 and a half games, man, you, you just can't, you can't bet against Tom Brady. If there's one thing you ever learned, you can't do it. So I'm taking the over. I'm on the over as well. I took the under last year and that's, I was, cause I was really doubting the super team, you know, like all the hype up and God, did they prove me wrong by winning the Super Bowl? But I, I still love this team. You bring everybody back, and I know how everyone says, like, you can't it, – it's hard for a Super Bowl team to, like, win games because you got that Super Bowl yeah, you got the target like, on, on your, your back. back. And yeah. everybody wants to beat you to save the Super Bowl. But, you know, in our lifetime, Tom Brady's won seven of them. And who's better at, you know, having that target on his back and still winning these games is the GOAT Tom Brady. So – Easily taking the over here. Um, 11 and a half, that's a lot of games, but I also have them going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think this is a, easily a 13 14 win team. So the thing that's interesting, kind of like you said, you just mentioned with the target on the back. I mean, they had the target on their back last year because they were that mm-hmm. super team, right? And now it's no different. You get everyone back. We can make the argument now, Tom Brady's second year in the system. You get a whole lot of people more familiar with each other, that chemistry built, that the team is even better this year than it was last year. On top of the fact that they just add Joe Tyrone in the first round, who I think is a great little snag at the, at the last pick in the first round to add to that pass rush up front. Um, man, this is a scary football team. This is a really scary – you know, and you even were able to keep guys like Antonio Brown, who you mm-hmm. didn't have at the beginning of the season last year. So now if we get Antonio Brown on the same page as everyone else, we like you can easily see why this team could easily reach a new level than it did last year. And like you said, be a 13, 14, maybe even 15, like I kind of said earlier, 15 win football team. So, yeah, I- I'm taking the over on them as well. Uh, I, I think the last thing to say, though, before we move on to our next segment, and, and this is in favor of the Bucks, is that looking at these schedules, I, I think that the Saints got the most shafted out of all the schedules. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bucks. it's not easy. You have tough games. But the way that it's laid out a little bit and the fact that the Bucks last year were just so good at beating teams they were better than, and it's no different this year. They're better than a whole lot of teams they're playing against. The Saints are going to be on paper a lot worse than last year, which gave them a lot of fits in the regular season. Um, I think that everything is pointing up for them to hit their over. Yeah, what, what just sucks for the Saints is like, you know, since they won the division last year, they get that first place schedule. And, you know, you lose so many guys on your roster. I mean, that doesn't change what's gonna what's coming in the next year. You got to play these first place teams, and I don't know. It's it's gonna be a tough road for them, especially they don't, truly don't know who their quarterback is yet. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you were kind of saying earlier that you think it's gonna be, it's gonna be um, Jameis Winston. I, I'm not sold on Jameis. I really think that this could be a sort of two-quarterback kind of a thing, or maybe Taysom Hill could just be the outright starter. But let's move on. Let's go into – let's do top 10 NFL running backs. So I made my top 10 list of NFL running backs. Um, We did these last year. So I really wish I had on hand what I had it as last year. But regardless, let's go into it for this year. So I'm going to do my top 10 for the NFL. Then after this, Steed is going to go into his top 10, but for college football. We're trying to get more college football in the ranks here. So with that being said, let's just get into it. My number one overall running back in the NFL, I'm not sure this is really a huge surprise. It's Christian McCaffrey, the running back for the Carolina Panthers. This is a guy that he just does it all. Um He's an incredible receiver. He could probably just line up as a receiver. If he wasn't a running back, he could probably make a living in the league as a receiver. He's a great pure runner. He fits every system. He's a great pass blocker. He is like the total package in what you want in a modern-day running back. So Christian McCaffrey, for me, number one running back in the NFL. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Anything? I mean, he, yeah, he he'd be my number one. Uh, Derrick Henry would be be the only one competing with him in my eyes. But yeah, you're right. He just I mean, he does it all, and it sucks that he was hurt last year and really didn't get to play. But you know, McCaffrey's just gonna come back and be the same guy, if not better. All right, number two running back in the NFL, and this is kind of might come as a surprise to some people. I think that he was kind of he's been dropping a little bit. And for me, that's Saquon Barkley. I, I haven't given up on Saquon Barkley. Um, this is a dude, and it's funny because I wasn't even huge on Saquon Barkley coming out of the draft, right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was a good player, but I thought that the Giants reached on him, and I thought he proved me wrong because this is a dude that he's a home run hitting running back, but can still play consistently and get those consistent yards and be a guy that I just feed the football to and can make a living that way. Um, I mean, let alone the fact that you can give him the ball a bunch of times and he'll break one every game. To me, Mm -hmm. the Giants offensive line finally got its crap together um, towards the end of last year, like midway through the season last year. And I think that that'll be to the benefit of Saquon Barkley this year. Uh, It was when Joe Judge personally took over that offensive line group. I really think that we're going to see Saquon explode. I picked him for comeback player of the year. Um, Man, I I just think that we are really truly going to see what Saquon Barkley, why he was picked so early in the draft, and why everyone believes that he's one of the top running backs. I think we're going to see it this year. My number three overall running back. Derrick Henry, no surprise there. Just got 2,000 yards. He's an absolute beast. Um, I think that we will see it again next year. Derrick Henry putting up great numbers. He's in an offense that really fits what he tries to do. You just feed him, and he will get yards. Number three, Derrick Henry. Um, I I guess the reason why I have him at number three is – He's, you have been able to mitigate Derrick Henry before. I think that's the only thing. If you really are a sound defense, you stack like nine guys in the box, you can shut down an outside zone team and shut down Derrick Henry, especially by trying to get him to stop his feet in the backfield. You know, we kind of saw it in that playoff game against the Ravens. Um, so I guess that's the reason why I do not have him at number one or number two compared to these other dudes. My number four overall running back, Nick Chubb. Personally, one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. This dude is an absolute monster. Um, You know, he was hurt for a couple of games last year, which I think kind of mitigated his numbers. But if you look on a per-carry basis, there's no one better than Nick Chubb, really. Like, the guy is an absolute monster. I'm surprised they don't feed him the ball more, to be honest. Um, yeah, um, he really splits carries with Kareem Hunt. I mean, when you have Kareem Hunt as your number two, it's hard to not have him in the game also. Yeah, I think that that's the main the main issue. It's just, to me as a pure runner, Nick Chubb is the best. Me, I mean, maybe you can make the argument for McCaffrey. I personally think that Nick Chubb is just the best. He's the, he's the prototypical, him and Derrick Henry are the prototypical guys of, Every single carry you give these dudes, they just get better. And defenses don't want to have to tackle these guys 20 times a game. So Nick Chubb, for me, probably a little bit higher on my list than the consensus list. Number five, and this is the last running back in this tier one group of running backs, is Alvin Kamara, the New Orleans Saints running back. Alvin Kamara is insanely slippery. That's the first thing that you think of when you watch this dude. You know, you look at that – you remember that run against the uh, against the Packers where he breaks like 20 tackles for a touchdown or like a 50-yard yeah. touchdown? It's crazy when you watch him because it doesn't even look like he's moving full speed and he just is making everyone miss. You're like, dude, how the hell is he breaking all these tackles? It looks like he's just waltzing down the field breaking tackles. Dude, he's, he's just so ridiculous. shifty. Yeah, he's so shifty. Um, I think the only reason I have him at number five – is that some games he's not that running back that you can just hand the ball off to on outside zone or inside zone, and he can just eat like I think some of like the top five, the top four guys probably could. 
Um, that combined with the fact that Sean Payton, I believe, is the most creative run game scheming coach in the NFL, which definitely benefits Alvin Kamara in the situations he gets put into. So Alvin Kamara for me, number five, but the last of my tier one running backs. These guys, for the most part, are relatively interchangeable. And depending on the type of offense you run, you can re-rank these guys if you were a coach kind of choosing, like in a fantasy draft, choosing any one of these running backs. Depending on your scheme, you can ease. I could put Derrick Henry one if I want to just run what the Titans do, run outside zone 60% of the time and just pound the rock, right? You'd want Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. If I want to use my running back in the passing game a lot, well, then it's going to be Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey that are going to be number one, right? Um, so these top these top five guys, I think, are easily the top five, which coming into yeah. number six might be a sh- – oh, do you have something you wanted to add to it? I, I just wanted to say on your top five, I, this might become of a shock or a hot take. I know Saquon's your number two. I, I do. I don't have Saquon in my top five. I, I, I He's, like, right there at six, or at least I, I would have him at six. But I'm – right now, just based off production, I have Dalvin Cook over him. You know, like, I was never, like, a huge Saquon, like, like you coming out of college, just because some games, like, I remember a game against Indiana, like, he only ran for, like, 30 yards or something like that. But, like, the production really hasn't been there. I, he's a t- great talent. I understand that he's an athletic beast, and I'm, I I think he's going to really – thrive whenever Bro, you got a uh, dog going crazy life. back there what the hell's going on dude i i'm dog sitting and this is like the worst dog known to <laughs> man. it's like it's so whiny and like i'm just tired of this dog but other than that like i think saquon will produce good but like just going off production the last two years i mean like this is why i would have derrick henry over him as well is because derrick henry's ran for almost a thousand yards to the next guy you know just... Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, Derrick Henry's got more, way more touches than a lot of these next oh, guys. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, I, the Titans are ranked thirtieth in um, pass attempts. You know? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not. My list here is not. This is from a talent perspective. This is not from a uh, fantasy football perspective or a numbers perspective. It's from a pure talent perspective, and I think that we can both agree that of these top five guys. Saquon Barkley has been in the worst system to produce good numbers. I mean, on top of the fact that he's gotten hurt, the Giants offense for a large part of the past four or five years has been kind of a disaster, a disaster of a run game, especially because their offensive line was just trash. Uh, And I feel like they finally got it together. So now that they finally have it together, um, I think mm-hmm. that we'll see Saquon Barkley kind of explode. On top of the fact, people people crap on Jason Garrett way too much. Jason Garrett, in terms of run scheme, is pretty good. I mean, he, yeah. he had phenomenal offenses, especially running the football in Dallas, right? In the past seven years, he had like three or four top five rushing offenses in terms of yards. Um with both Saquon Barkley, not Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and um, and Demarco Murray. So it's not yeah, like DeMarco he was Murray. just carried by Ezekiel Elliott. Like he did it with two different running backs. Yeah, he had a good offensive line, but what good running game doesn't have a good offensive line? I think that's kind of a moot point. Yeah, but look I think, at Zeke's production at one year after Jason Garrett. I mean, he's not even yeah, in the top ten day. list. <laughs> um. So, yeah, you can make the argument, oh, it's because Derek Prescott got hurt. Oh, this, oh, that. I'm not buying it. I think that Jason Garrett leaving had a large part to do it. And now you get a second year in the system. He's finally healthy. I think we really are going to see Saquon explode. But enough of Saquon. Let's go into my number six guy, which is Dalvin Cook. Um, I know it's a little bit of a hot take that I do not have him in my tier one of running backs. I know a lot of other people would. Um, I actually think that Dalvin Cook is kind of in a tier of his own, right below my top five, but above everyone else. And one of the main reasons for that is Dalvin Cook is a great running back. I'm not I'm not saying he's not. Um, especially mentally speaking, he's got great vision. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a threat in both the running game and the passing game. 
And he does exactly what you want. And he is a running back. He can hand the ball off 20, 25 times in a game and he'll produce. I think that there, there are a couple problems that you have with Dalvin Cook. One, I think of all these dudes, his numbers are somewhat inflated because he's in a great system. Uh, I think that Minnesota, the past couple of years under um, under Stefanski and under um, the Kubiaks now, because he had his son's the OC, he had Gary Kubiak on last year. Um, and I think two years ago, uh, it was a great run game for them to be in. I think the other thing, too, is that athletically speaking, I just don't think he's that top, top tier athlete that these other guys are. Yeah, um, he doesn't compare to a McCaffrey or Saquon, athletically speaking, you know? Yeah, which I think just does cap his upside to a certain extent. I'm not saying that Dalvin Cook is a bad running back. I don't want it to come off that way. But if I were to rank these guys off of pure talent, Dalvin Cook to me is just slightly below these other five guys at it from my perspective, from what I see. He's still a great running back and he produces great numbers and he's phenomenal. He's 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 awesome. But I just don't think he's in the same tier as the other five guys. So um number seven for me, Jonathan Taylor. Mm. This is a this is a dude that I loved coming out of the draft. He was easily my number one running back. And I think that once you saw him get going the second half of last year, he proved why he was the best pure runner in the class. And um, I think that he got a lot better in the receiving game as well, which did come as a shock to me a little bit. Apparently he's been working on a ton in training camp this year. So it'll be really interesting to see if if he becomes a great receiver as a running back what he can do if he can transcend to the next level and become one of these tier one running backs. I personally think he has the talent to. Um, so for me, Jonathan Taylor, number seven, has a ton of upside, can easily jump into the top five. Yeah, I like that. Number eight, Aaron Jones, probably one of the more slept on running backs in the league consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I agree with him being slept on is that he's been in some great offenses, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, he's just when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, it opens things up for you in the run game. Um, And not only that, as a receiver, he's pretty good, which has been a huge like having Aaron Rodgers, right, being able to go through progressions insanely quickly, quicker than anyone not named Tom Brady. Basically, it has really helped him out and really helped out his numbers. Um, But at the same time. He, he needs more respect on his name. Aaron Jones is still a great running back. Uh, I think the one reason why I don't have Aaron Jones higher is that we have seen him consistently get mitigated against teams with really rangy linebackers, um, most specifically the Bucks. right? When he plays yeah, the Bucs. Yeah, he's both Bucks games. He just hasn't – he's not himself. And – it's just he struggles, right? You have these linebackers that can cover sideline to sideline, these top, top-tier groups. That's where Aaron Jones kind of gets mitigated. And I think that most people will agree that he's just not in the upper, upper echelon of running backs. He's still very good. He's still a very, very talented back, but he's not a Tier 1, and at least for me, a Tier 2 back. I think that he's there is a gap between the top five and then Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor. All right. Number nine and honestly, number 10 and then all the way to like 14 or 15. I think that all the running backs in this tier are pretty similar. The two that I picked for nine and 10, which are pretty interchangeable. I had JK Dobbins and Cam Akers. Um, I just think that these guys are really good that these are two dudes that are dynamic runners that you can just hand the football off to 20 times and defenses don't want to tackle them. Um, You have the numbers to back it up when they play. You have the talent on tape that I saw. These were my number two and three running backs coming out in in 2020. But, Mm -hmm. man, you can make an argument for a whole lot of other guys. So I guess we can go into honorable mentions as well. Like Josh Jacobs, I have right around Josh Jacobs. 
I would I, I still would put Josh Jacobs over J.K. Dobbins for me. I mean, like he's still really young. I know that he had a little bit of a down year last year, but I mean, we've seen backs have down years. We've seen Derrick Henry have a down year and then come back and be a, an elite enforcer. So I, I I still love Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I think Josh Jacobs could be in here. We could easily see some of those other 2020 backs, right? Uh, whether it's Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know a whole lot of people like DeAndre Swift. I am not on that train, but I, you can make the argument for him. Like, we could easily see, come the start of the season, one of these dudes firmly cement themselves into this top 10 list. Um, mm-hmm. Other guys, right? Ezekiel Elliott. I think, uh, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're probably screaming on the top of your lungs for Ezekiel Elliott. I personally think that he is out of my top 10 but you could definitely make the argument with the consistency that he showed that he should be on here another guy austin eckler uh when he plays austin eckler is fantastic and i think that he deserves an honorable mention spot on this top 10 list i mean there's so many dudes miles sanders i think that you can make an argument for and if you were to pull people last year he probably would have been on a whole lot of top 10 lists um kareem hunt Right, just kind of in the shadow of Nick Chubb, he probably is on some top ten lists, and there's definitely an argument for him to be on some top ten lists. Uh, are we missing anyone? Chris Carson could yeah, be Chris like Carson. around that range. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like I'm not throwing the most just... recent drafted running backs on here just because we haven't seen them. Yeah. I think that I'm not going to put them on there. Um, but yeah, surprise! I thought you put Javante on there. No, no, I'm not going to – I think talent-wise, he's up there. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to exclude the the most the 2021 running back class for now. So, with that, that is my top ten running backs. Um, comment down below if you disagree, if you have any critiques on my list. But, Steed, let's now go into the college football game, right? So, I did the NFL okay. – Steed went out, and he has his top 10 college football running back. So, Steed, why don't you kick it off? Who is your number 10 running back in college football? Number 10 is going to be a similar face to, or a similar name to some, uh, some is Frank Gore Jr. Uh, yeah, Frank Gore's son. He plays at Southern Miss. Uh, he's a true freshman last year. I got him logged at. He finished the season 708 yards, averaging six yards a carry. I had not much in the in the passing game, only catching nine catches last year. But he's a smaller dude. He's he's five foot eight, one sixty five. But Frank Gore, that really wasn't that huge either. I I, I like I like his game. Uh, he's the only non power five conference running back I have on this list. Um, you could probably make a uh, statement for a couple other guys but i i think frank gore jr is going to be a beast especially you know he had great numbers in his true freshman year at number nine i got chris rodriguez jr this is a the guy out of uh kentucky um impressive year last year averaging seven and a half yards a carry i he didn't get many tokes of the ball he only uh carried 71 times but i mean this guy has he has an act to get to the end zone, scoring 11 touchdowns last year for a Kentucky team that, you know, where the passing game is not really viable. They have to run the ball. and Yeah, know, not exactly their forte. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't – name me the last good quarterback out of Kentucky. He can't. So, like, uh, Chris Rodriguez – Kristen Rodriguez Jr., I think he's going to transcend well. I mean, a lot of people on this list is pretty much SEC. Yeah. Uh, um... SEC is just ran by running backs. Real quick with Rodriguez, I'm pretty sure PFF had him as – I know he was in their top five uh, top-graded returning players in the SEC. I actually think oh, he yeah. was number one or number two in terms of top-graded returning SEC players. So this is a guy that – I think that the real – like the, the college football guys, right, the big SEC fans, like they've heard of him. But if you look in a lot of like, you know, okay – who are the top guys coming out for the draft and whatnot. Rodriguez doesn't really get the same hype and the same level of name recognition that the guys, some of these other guys coming up will have on your list. Some of the guys that we like tank bigs being like Bijan Robinson and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So 
what was that? That was nine. So at eight, I got, you know, another SEC running back, Jerrion Ely from Ole Miss. I mean, dude, Lane Kiffin, he's just like one of the masterminds of being able to run the ball in the college football scene. And his 21 games so far, he has ha- he's at 1,500 yards uh, rushing, and he's scoring 15 touchdowns. And also he's a little bit of a threat in the uh, – backfield catching wise with 35 catches I especially with like how Ole Miss was this is going to be the second year under Lane Kiffin I really expect this team to you know be able to move the ball with them I mean their offense is already pretty nice uh, if especially if Matt Crell takes that extra step and becomes the guy I think that really helps out Jerry on Ely a, a ton uh, next, I got, you know, I can't leave an Alabama running back off this list. Uh, I got Brian Robinson Jr. This is a guy who's been at Alabama, this be his fifth year. He's going to be a super senior. He's sat behind, you know, guys like Najee, uh, you know, just been that second back. But when he gets in, this Alabama running back, he's very productive. Uh, got him averaging five yards per carry, I'm especially with more, you know, more of a role in this offense next year. I expect like his numbers to increase and maybe get like some looks because he's going to be older back. But if I remember like Josh Jacobs, you know, when he played for Alabama, he played that one year. And yeah. one thing why people really loved Josh Jacobs besides his game is he didn't have the mileage. I think this is another guy, you know, who hasn't played a ton. And he just burst it onto the scene. I remember, right? Like, yeah. A couple of games into the season, once he starts playing a lot more, it's like, whoa, this guy's good. And then, I mean, he jumped from being a late-round guy at the beginning of the season to a first-round pick. I mean, and that's yeah. that's what happens with a lot of these Bama guys, right? You have to wait for your turn, but once your turn comes up and you show out, sky's the oh, limit yeah, for man. where you can go. Yeah, and I, I think he's going to be around that role. I mean, he played really well last season and, like, the limited touches he got, especially when, you know, they're up 52 nothing against Ole Miss or something like that. Yeah, but real quick, too, uh, when you move on, before you move on, like, we've seen Alabama backfields where the backup's backup is a good NFL player, right? We've seen them year mm-hmm. in and year out have multiple NFL running backs on their roster, Um yeah, no surprise to have him on your list. And I mean, this is a dude. Like, if, if you're if you're running back on this Crimson Side football team, a lot of these guys, if you're not that number one Najee Harris level back, right, are kind of underrated. Like we saw it with Damien Harris, yeah. for example, right? Damien Harris was kind of just looked at as, oh yeah, he's good, but he's not great. And look what he did with the with the Patriots last year, right? And it happens kind of yeah. time in and time again. Like where these Alabama backs, they're consistent especially some of these backup dudes that don't that aren't playing when they're like a freshman or a sophomore. Yeah, exactly. So next on my list, this is a pretty like well-known name around the country. I feel like Brees Hall from Iowa State, yeah. you know. He, he kind of busted on the scene last year when Iowa State like I we we talked about it on the last podcast, I'm pretty sure, but Iowa State, I mean, they got a lot of talented players on their roster and he's one of them. Uh, he, he rushed for Tony 900 yards. yards last year. Yeah, 900 yards last year. Oh, that was 2019, my bad. Um, yeah, no, actually 900 yards last year. Wait, are you sure it was yeah. 900? I thought he rushed for like a good – because he led the league in rushing. He led the NCAA. Did he? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. We can go on. I might be looking at his rookie campaign then. But yeah, I mean, also like he is pretty um, viable. He got he got a uh, one thousand five hundred seventy two last year. Oh yeah, he did. I thought that was with twenty one touchdowns. I, yeah, this dude. He, I mean, he's crazy. I, I, like I expect the sky to be the limit for him too. I, you know, I hope he doesn't fall off a little bit because like I could see them relying on him a lot. But the good thing is they have Brock Purdy too. So, you know, they got they have it all. They have the college quarterback. They got the dot dynamic running back. So I, I really like him in this offense. Next, I got a just I'm actually just, really, wait, hold on, real quick. I'm surprised you don't have him higher. Because I know that Bruce I, I like right that now was like a top four, top five guy for most people. I don't want to put him 
don't know, like, I don't want to put him in that same tier as a Chuba for me, you know, because, like, Chuba, like, had some crazy years, and then, like, last year kind of, like, fell off, and he saw that in his draft stock, and I'm not going to relate, like, their game a whole lot together, but I, the other guys in my top five, I just solely like them more on, like, either it's just, like, their athleticism or what they do on the field a little more than Brees Hall. And especially, like, if they play in, a, like, a better conference or whatever, because most of the guys left are, like, either playing the Big Ten or in SEC. Yeah, I'll, I'll give Besides... you that, I'll give you that. Because Brees Hall, to me, he, obviously he's a good back, but he does seem like one of those dudes that people see the rushing total next to his name. They see he's number one on the chart, and it's like, oh, well, that guy has to be good. And then they haven't really looked at mm-hmm. him a ton. Yeah, so it's just like that, like – I don't know why he gives me that tuba feel, but he just does. Um, but next guy, same conference, Big 12, but I'm really huge on him is uh, B. John Robinson. I talked about him a little bit on the last episode. I Dude, when I think you're really about to see him bust on the scene, especially with uh, Sarkeesian there now. I think he's going to really elevate his game to the next play. It, and he's going to like come into as a – talked about as a like a top three round draft pick in my yeah. eyes I, he's just very athletic he runs well he's a shifty little guy a lot um, of people have like, him as the the number one running back right now in college football in terms of like a pure talent perspective oh yeah uh, I, and I like number I, one for 2023 yeah he's out of texas um so it's going to be interesting to to see what he does I know we both like one of his teammates, not teammates, uh, classmates. They're in the same year uh, over him. So, yeah, he'll be on your list. Yeah, he will. Uh, Next, number four, UGA. Kind of the same thing. Like, well, Zemir White from UGA. Kind of the same thing from Alabama. UGA, like, you know, if Alabama's not RBU, then UGA is. They just have cream crop. Zemir White was a five-star Number one, I'm pretty sure number one running back in his class. Um, the thing is, like, he's going to be cutting carries with James Cook, Dalvin Cook's little bro, but uh, he's still going to put up great numbers. And he had a great season last year, and he wasn't even really the number one guy. Um, so next, number three is a returner. He didn't play at all last year, but, uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, everybody's, like, awaiting his turn especially Oklahoma fans, is Kennedy, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, his first two years in 2018, 2019, just lit it up for Oklahoma. He sat out last year because of COVID-19. He comes back, and you got to think, you know, he's got to be extremely healthy, and especially in that Lincoln-Riley offense and with Rattler. Like, he's going to put up some crazy numbers. I'd like to, get, like to see him get attention as maybe even looking as a day-two guy. Um, next is a little interesting because he is not a, a, a huge guy. Deuce Vaughn out of um, Kansas State. He's only 5'5". Five, five. Well, um, what spot are we on your list right now? Number two. Number two. Deuce Vaughn, the 5'5 yeah. five, five running back at number two. And maybe it's because I just like underdogs or, I, I, you know, or you, when you turn on Deuce Vaughn's tape, you can just see how small he is. It's just like – I mean, 5'5", five, five, I think I was that in, like, ninth grade, but or, like, sixth grade. But, like, I mean, look look at him. Like, 10 games last year, 642 yards on the ground, you know, five yards per carry. That's really good. But also in 10 games, he caught 25 passes, you know, for almost 500 yards where he's averaging right there 17 yards per catch. This that is guy, ridiculous once he, for a running back. Yeah. When you get this guy in the open field, he is—he just makes people miss. He's so shifty, so agile, and this is why I have him as number two because he's like one of the more interesting playmakers in the country. Because you would just don't let his size fool you. Because like if you pair him up, if like he has to go up against a middle linebacker in open space, uh, he's gonna—he's gonna make you miss from what the tape has shown. And number one is like. Our guy, Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. I mean, the beast. Yeah, this dude busted on the scene last year. 830 yards last year, averaging six yards per carry, five touchdowns. I'd like to see him get more involved in the passing game. I know that's a little tough with Bo Nix, 
but you know um <laughs> you always have to throw a dig at bo nicks every single episode i mean until he proves it to me i will i i won't like until he proves it um but tank bigsby number one running back easily next year uh heisman hype i see him as a contender if auburn's really in it uh other than that honorable mentions guy from south carolina kevin harris i mean South Carolina hasn't had a good running game in a while, and he was like one of the lone bright spots of last season, rushing for over a thousand yards in you know ten games. You get him back alongside of a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, who's you know same class as Tanks Bigsby, and I would I would look to hear his name because him and Tanks Bigsby, I'm they were like ranked like. Either I think Tate's Bigsby was ranked a little before, but they were like neck and neck. And it sucks that he tore his ACL and all, but like, expect you know, it, it also him to sucks come he chose South Carolina as a school to go play football at. Yeah, true. Uh, another, <laughs> another honorable mention I talked about him a little earlier James Cook from uh, Georgia. What I, year is James like Cook? His, I'm pretty sure he's a junior this year. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, it's not hard to run with Georgia. I mean, you see their backs all the time, <laughs> starting with, you know, no Sean or Todd Gurley, and then you go Nick Chubb, Sony. I, so James Cook is going to be, a, like, an interesting watch because I know Samir White's the number one guy, but the thing is they don't like giving those number one – their number one guy, like, you know, 20 carries a game. Unlike mm -hmm. Mike Tink Bixby, like, he's going to be getting 90% of the carries – They'll split it up half and half. So, like, if he gets hot, expected him to, like, get some a lot of touches. Um, I, another um, – I forget his name. We talked about him earlier. The guy from Georgia Tech. Oh, um, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs. I Again, we talked about him a couple of episodes ago when we were talking – taking, like, our overrated and underrated. I, I do – I like what Georgia Tech's doing. And I think they got a little beast and and Gibbs over there, and I expected him to bust on the scene and probably be one of the better backs in the ACC. Dude, I am shocked that you have not mentioned in your honorable mentions so far and on the top ten rankings, Isaiah Spiller out of A and M, because you're a big A and M guy, right? That that's right now your yeah, number two team in the SEC. And he is like a consensus top ten guy. I'm pretty sure among most college football fans. What's where? What's up with Isaiah Spiller? I don't think anything's up with him. I mean, I, he's now that you say he's definitely in my honorable mentions. But do I? When I was looking at the list, I was like, it's really hard to like because like in the NFL, you look at the top ten and you're like, okay, it's just 32 teams, whatever. Like you got to look at a brand. And it's like, dude, there's a lot of good bags out there. Like, does he deserve it over um, Carlos Hyde Jr.? Probably, but like, you got to give some non-power five, like some love in there too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wait, I like you Isaiah mean Frank Spiller's Gore guy. Jr. Carlos Frank, Hyde Frank Jr. Jr. Where'd you pull Carlos on... Hyde at him? <laughs> dude, I don't know why, but like, I've always like gotten Frank Gore and Carlos Hyde like mixed <laughs> up because I just think of two old running backs. But yeah, I'm I'm interested in Isaiah Spiller. I should have thrown him on there, honestly, because like I have been hyping up AM. Well the thing is, is like from from watching a lot of Kellen Mond, like Isaiah Spiller to me really caught my eye as like easily the second best or even the best player on that offense. Um so for me, I would have Isaiah Spiller on my top I don't have my top ten rankings ranked out, but I could imagine I would be putting Isaiah Spiller on there as one of the top college football running backs. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you know, like, is he – I think, like, the thing is, like, Christian Rodriguez Jr. is, like, better from Kentucky, too. And then you got the guy from Ole Miss I mentioned. I, I still like him a little more. It's tough because, like, you could really look at the SEC and all their running backs and be like, okay, like, they can all be in the top ten. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that dynamic of a conference and a league. Uh, is there another guy I'm missing? I know a, a lot of people were high on the Washington State guy. Uh, Max Borgie, right? Yeah, Max Borgie. I'm not um, a huge Max Borgie guy, to be honest. He's he's like a, he's like one of those receiving, running back kind of guys. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I do yeah, have two is. more honorable mentions, though, for you. Yeah, shoot them out. The first is a guy that I personally like just from watching games live and back on film, and that's Mo Ibrahim out of Minnesota. Um, mm. He's kind of just seen mm, as like a pure yeah. power back. Uh, I think he might be a little bit more than just a pure power guy, and I think he's definitely a guy that I have my eye on for the running back class this that's coming up this year. And kind of a sleeper dude, especially because uh, of the two guys that were in front of him last year. That's Ty Chandler out of UNC. Um, he's a guy that I'm going to have my eye on. I think that UNC is going to have another good offensive line group up front. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ty Chandler kind of burst onto the scene and put up some really good numbers for that UNC Tar Heels team. Yeah, especially because you're playing the freaking ACC. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not terribly too hard to run for 100 yards in the ACC. Um, but, you know. All right, you got anyone else? No, that's it. All right, well, that's the running backs. Um, let's go on. We got one last segment of the day, and we're throwing it back to Steed's Falcons here. We've uh, got what is shambles. the future of Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, Steed, I kind of want to throw this to you in kind of like a multiple-part question. First off, do you see Matt Ryan still on the Falcons in two years, even next year? I don't know how long is left on his deal, but there's been talks, especially in the draft this year, are the Falcons going to draft a quarterback? Obviously, they did not. I think that was a good move because, you know, three quarterbacks kind of went one, two, three. Um, You pick up Kyle Pitts' BPA. But they're still looking to be on Matt Ryan on the move. Is he out of there? The cap hit, the talent, is he falling off? Is he still going on? So how much longer does Matt Ryan have both on the Falcons and how much longer does Matt Ryan have left in the league? So I'm throwing it to you. What do you think? Tough. It is tough, man, uh, especially after he lost his Thunder buddy for life. Um Listen, I, I'm still going to stick what I've always thought. I think Fal- he will be a Falcon for life. He will finish his career with the Falcons. You say one or two years. I still think Matt Ryan can play for another four years, like once he hits 40. Because he's going into his, what is he now, 36? Yeah, yeah he's, he's 36. He's oh, yeah, he's old. But I, the thing is, I still think Matt Ryan can play at, like, maybe not as an elite level, like a 2016. But, I mean – he didn't play all that bad last year. Like with the with the offense like scheme around him that was just horrendous. It was terrible. It was hard to watch what Dirk Cutter was calling, you know? Like couldn't get an open receiver and he has had no running game since 2016. So I think if Arthur Smith is looking into it, wouldn't you rather just I mean, yeah, you would want to draft a quarterback and get your guy because it's your team now. But, again, you could kind of just draft the roster right now or build the roster around Matt Ryan and send out this final hoorah and try to do something. Because also it just depends on, like, how Matt Ryan performs, right? Like, if the team doesn't perform and they they go 5-12 and 12 or, you know, 4-13, and 6-11 and 11 or something like that, and they have another good draft spot <laughs> – and you just see a decline in Matt Ryan's play, which I feel, feel like that would be very tough to see, then I, they would be in a spot where, like, okay, we're probably going to draft a quarterback and move on. I I still have a lot of – I would still hold a lot of stock in Matt Ryan on, you know, proving himself. I know him and Aaron Rodgers are different athletic capabilities, and the arm strength has definitely – come down a lot, you know, for Matt since 2016. He Like, his deep ball is pretty much not non-existent, but, like, it takes a little bit longer to get there now and can't throw as farther. I still like him as a competitor. I, I you know, I don't think he's going to be a Tom Brady where he's going to play until he's 85 years old, but, you know, 40-year-old years old, 40 year old Matt, I think he, he could play in the league that long and still be a competitor. Yeah, for me, I like Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Like you mentioned, the arm strength is definitely an issue. But, I, man, I just saw Phillip Rivers lead the Colts to the playoffs with his little sidearm thing, his yeah. noodle arm, right? Um, yeah. Not that, arm strength, not that arm strength is overrated, but if you're able to be a good decision maker, um, get your process fast. And, you know, as long as you're able to hit a throw 40, 50 yards down the field, which he is, 
you can play. So right now, Matt Ryan is kind of looked at as a glorified bridge quarterback, right? Um, his contract, he, the, people are saying the Falcons want to get off of it. Um, you know, he, he, you'd probably compare him right now more so to Jimmy Garoppolo than you would to a Matt Stafford, right? Which yeah. I don't necessarily agree with. I, I still think that Matt Ryan is a guy that has winning football left in him. I think that if the Falcons do get rid of him, there's going to be a good market for him in free agency, right? For maybe a team like the Washington football team that could really use mm-hmm. him. Um, if Fitzmagic decides to kick it next year and all of a sudden Washington football team, let's say they're still a good team with that good defense, they're looking in free agency and, well, who's the best guy available? It could easily be Matt Ryan. And he could easily take that team to the playoffs in that division. So I still think Matt Ryan stamping it down three good years. I think Matt Ryan has three years of good winning franchise quarterback level football. That's what I'm calling. After that, I don't know. I do. I just, you know, I I don't see him playing for another team other than the Falcons, even if like it was brought up. I I think. Really? I can't see it. I I don't think it would. I don't think it would ever happen. Yeah. But dude, if, if the Falcons are picking top 15, and there's a good quarterback available that they could trade up for or is on the board, like, I could see it happening. I could see it happening. I don't think they're going to be picking in that position ever again. Well, like, ever again. But, like, in Matt Ryan's later duration. I do. Like, I'm telling you, (laughs) the best time to sleep on the Falcons is when – the best time to bet on the Falcons is when everybody else is sleeping with them, sleeping on them. Sleeping with them? (laughs) Yeah. Falcons getting around? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would hope. But, uh, you know, it's a good point, though. Like, it's just – because, like, Matt Ryan is never the problem, right? But, like, his contract's so, like – Yeah, big, the contract just... is rough. And that was the thing with Julio. It's not that we want to get rid of Julio and do this rebuild or whatever. Like, because we're not truly rebuilding. You know, we're kind of, like – in a transition where like we have good pieces and they want to build on top of those pieces, but it's not a true rebuild, you know? Well, the other thing know. too I though think... with Julio is that you were, you were able to get out when you could, you had a team that was giving you a two and a four and mm-hmm. you were off the hook of his contract, which is a large contract. It was 15.6 mil fully guaranteed, right? For a dude that played, yeah. Nine games, nine games. He played like two games because the other games that he was playing, he was only playing third downs basically. Um, yeah. You had an out, right? Which maybe we would have seen that with Matt Ryan if they had an opportunity to say, hey, you could just kick it, no no money, no dead cap, none of that. Yeah, maybe they get rid of Matt Ryan. But even if they do, it's like I see another team jumping on that opportunity to, to pick I him know. up and I... try to win. Yeah, when I say, like, I don't see him playing for another team, I think this might be more of a fan coming out of me. But I think I think Arthur Blank would shut that down. I think it would be a little loyalty. Like, Matt Ryan's is, like, he said it, like, he's a son to him. Like, I think he would go for an office and be like, no, you're making him play out the rest of his year, rest of his career here. I don't care. Wait, I think that Matt Ryan, if push comes to shove, will take – We'll take a pay cut and all the, you know, oh, yeah. he takes a pay cut every year. To, takes a pay cut every year. Yeah, to try and get on to help the football team under the cap. But I do agree with you that at the end of the day, the problem with the Falcons offense is not Matt Ryan. The problem with the Falcons offense was not Julio Jones or the receivers. The problem with the Falcons offense is the fact that they have spent so many resources trying to rebuild that offensive line group. Yeah. And it's not worked out. This is a group that listen. Football isn't rocket science. A lot of the time, it's dude. When when y'all made the Super Bowl, with Kyle Shanahan, right? You had a great offensive coordinator, and you had a top five offensive line group in the league, statistically speaking, and, and on tape, right? They played well. And guess what? You lose a great offensive coordinator, and your offensive line deteriorates. It, it, it's there's a direct correlation. You start losing football games, and on top of the defense, right? It, it's not crazy. This is a group that up front y'all need to improve. You can't run the football consistently, right? You can't protect the quarterback yeah. consistently. That's not winning football. And then you have Dirk Cutter 
who, when you have a lead, will not run the football and did not refuse to run the football, which kind of directly led to a couple of losses. It wasn't even the fact that y'all couldn't get a first down. It was the fact that you took 15 seconds off the off the game clock and gave the other team the football back, right? Like, yeah. that's not winning football. Well, I mean, you – the with the now the coaching change and it goes like complete 180 with Arthur Smith who like you know based off his track record with the Titans love to run the football you know you might yeah. see a little something different here but like yeah and you it, picked up Jalen Mayfield a good little value yeah, pick I I think so too I like Jalen Mayfield and some people were projected to go first round you know yeah you I, picked the, him up the, really early third round so I like that pick a lot I thought he was personally going to go second round. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I thought we had a great draft, but alongside that, it's just, I know we talked about earlier with Alex Mack and, you know, he is older and wasn't playing at that elite level that we once signed him at. But, dude, I, I don't know who's going to be hiking the ball for Matt. That's the only problem. If it's Matt Hennessy, oh, God, see you later. <laughs> but, like, but, no, actually, we drafted a center. We drafted um, Drew Dalton. That dude from. Yeah, we drafted him from uh, Stanford. His dad actually coached for the Falcons back in the day. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so uh, maybe, like, there's some something happening there because, like, I'm telling you right now, I, I know if Arthur Smith walked in and watched some tape of last year and they're like, who the hell is this Matt Hennessy guy? Like, that's why he drafted Dalman because he was like, dude, <laughs> this guy can't play. But, yeah, um, I think that's going to do it for the episode. Uh Hope I mean we're both Matt Ryan guys, so we're hoping to see Matt Ryan turn around for the Falcons this year. He's a good dude, um, plays hard, so we're hoping to see Steed's Falcons actually win some games. Just hopefully not more than seven. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, that's going to be it from us. Probably if you not. made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, comment if you got any questions for us. I read all the comments. But with that being said, thank you so much for, so much for watching, listening. Peace out.